0: Hey, listeners, I had a wonderful interview with a lady called Patricia Braddon. And uh, Patricia is in the US. She is the global chief commercial officer at an organization called Mind Maze. And what they do is they're a global pioneer in the development of neurotechnology and digital therapeutics. Now, Patricia's got over 25 years of experience in various executive roles and is a great person And uh, we had a really, really cool conversation. And some areas that we covered off is that, you know, leadership is being powerfully quiet. Uh, She also talked about um, having making bold decisions to maybe take a different path, embracing change and don't be afraid of it. And, um, And then we also had a really good discussion around what employees are expecting from leaders today. All right, listeners, let's have. A listen to the interview. Welcome to
1: Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level
0: by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, listeners, welcome to another wonderful episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast, and I have a wonderful guest with me today. Her name is Patricia Bradley. Patricia, a massive welcome to you.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Now, whereabouts in the world are you today?
1: So I live right outside of New York City, in central New Jersey. Although, if you ask me a question, I always tell people I'm a New Yorker because once you're born there, grow up there, I'm just a New Yorker living in the suburbs.
0: Ah, oh, that's cool. Very, very cool. Well, you're in New York, I'm in New Zealand. And so we've got the news New York, New Zealand. We've got both us <laughs> here and we're underway. And so you are the global chief commercial officer at Mind Maze. Um, what yes. I'd like you to do is just tell our listeners a little bit about that organization, what you do. But also, is there anything about your background you might like to share with us?
1: So my background is very eclectic. And, you know, I think anybody's journey, if you sometimes just go with the flow, it can be a little eclectic. So I am the only person in my family to go to college. So I went to college, State University in New York. Um, It was not on anybody's blueprint. My parents never even thought about college. My two brothers didn't go to college. But I was bound and determined. So I went to one of the state universities in New York because. Really, that's all I could afford. So I went there to undergraduate school, studied economics, came home and decided you know, that I was going to try my, my spin at Wall Street because anybody who grows up in New York City stares at the big city, thinks that they want to be in finance. Um, I did. I did actually go work on Wall Street down uh, Water Street, to be specific, but worked down there for one of the large financial firms. And then I realized that it was very difficult. I didn't have the right connections, family connections, to make it at that time uh, because this is, this is many years ago and it was a different structured industry at that point in time. And so I decided I was going to have to be different. I had the luck of having a friend who was a couple of years older than me who made a suggestion that I apply to UPS's management training program, which is United Parcel Service is a global company. Uh, they're in transportation and logistics. She said, surely the only thing was I was going to have to drive a truck in New York City as part of their management training program. And was I going to be okay with that? And (laughs) I was young and stupid. And I said, sure, no problem. I will do that, which I did. So I left Wall Street. I was at Lehman Brothers at the time. I left there. And really, it was, you know, you have to decide at some point, even when you're young, if they don't let you follow the path that you want to take. You have to make that bold decision to take a different path. And no matter what, you don't know what that's going to be. I just decided that no matter what, nobody would look at me the same if I drove a truck in Manhattan. So I was going to roll the dice and do it. I will not say I was a very good driver. I stunk at it. And of course, the UPS, my first day on the job, made me go deliver a package back to my old office, which of course was humiliating. But I did it, smiled and kept going. Um. Did that for a number of years, wound up starting up their logistics business, which was helping people rebuild factories and do plans and all that kind of fun stuff. But the point of that was it was a springboard and I wound up just rolling the dice again after that, decided I didn't want to stay in transportation and logistics. So I went to work in pharmaceuticals um, selling because I had worked as a pharmacy tech during the summers, was not a pharmacist, just figured I knew enough and was not afraid. So I did that then I applied to grad school and actually had to find a job that was going to let me take classes during the week. So I wound up getting into startups and startups are wild. I worked in AI for cancer detection before it was even a thing, before clouds existed and and all of that. And it was using neural nets to detect abnormal cells in a way that the human eye could not detect them. And it was so much fun, but you went through the IPO process and success and failures and acquisitions and all of that, I decided then I needed some stability in my life. And I wound up going back into pharmaceuticals for a company called Novo Nordisk and actually then spent 18 years at Nova Nordisk working my way through, through that. Came in as a regional director, running a team, um, and then just worked my way up through different parts of that commercial organization in all aspects of, of healthcare and biotech and pharmaceuticals. So having Led sales teams, small teams, then bigger teams, then bigger teams, then pitching new businesses to the company. Being shocked when they gave me money to start it up, I got $18 million seed money for them to start a new business unit within the company and wound up with the whole kit and caboodle with, with a sales team, a field force, an operations team, a marketing team. But then, you know, got the bump like many people did in a company when a CEO changes, got bumped out with the old regime. And then I had to start all over again and figure out what I wanted to be. And then I decided that no matter what, I was not going to do the same thing again. So I worked with boards in kind of the executive search arena for helping people set up boards and other high-level things because I knew a lot about executive leaders at that point in time. Mm. And then uh, I got... Pulled back into digital health through somebody I knew who thought I would be a perfect fit for a new digital healthcare company that needed to understand how pharma companies were organized. And I knew that, quite frankly, I didn't know anything about digital health. I was not an expert, but I was an expert at the inside workings of a pharma and biotech company. So I used that platform to learn that side of the business and have been in it ever since. So oh, wow. worked for a company called Huma which I still am an advisor and admire that company. So I, I stayed on as an advisor for them, but then stepped over to MindMaze to lead their global initiative for their go-to-market strategy.
0: And, and I understand that's around neurotechnology and digital therapeutics, is that, is that right?
1: Yeah, it's really about unlocking the brain's potential to repair, to restore itself, and to maximize performance, whether that be a patient who has a stroke, who has an incident, yep. and you help the body repair itself, and then also try to maximize that performance of that patient. But it can be used on anything from patients to athletes. So we do things with stroke patients, Parkinson's, MS, and also we work with Formula One racers.
0: Ah, mm, very yeah.
1: good. Some fun yeah. stuff in there. Science yeah. has its positives, even in sports.
0: Formula One racers. Yeah, I actually was in Dallas um, prior to Michael Schumacher having his, his, his issue or incident. And um, I saw him and I was like, oh, I should get a photo with him. And I thought, oh, no, don't be, don't be, don't ah, leave him alone. The poor guy probably gets asked everyone. And then after that, that's when he had his uh, accidents like, accidents like, oh, no. Yeah. And you know what? I, I was telling you before about the, the tumor that I had. And when I had that removed, the doctor said to me that, because it was on the nerve of the of the vocal cord. And he said to me, it was sort of munted, but the brain will work it out. And mm-hmm. the brain is such a, such a fantastic, amazing kind of tool I call it, or machine, that is really amazing to see what it does. Right, and um, oh well, what you're working on, and the team sounds very, very exciting. Now, you know, when you talked about the pieces around going into different leadership roles, what actually yeah. may, what sort of got you into leadership?
1: So, for me, on leadership, it, I had started out in sales medical sales and others. And of course, <laughs> it's not the greatest criteria for leadership. But if you have really good sales results, what do they do? Mm. They promote you to run a sales team. So yep. that's exactly what happened. I I feel so sorry for the first team I probably led because I was probably not a very good leader. Maybe if you were my friend, I was a good friend in the, in leadership, but I didn't know the first thing about what I was doing. And for women, often we take charge by force a little bit because that's what we've been taught along the way, and it doesn't work. It really mm-hmm. doesn't work. It took me, you know, years of kind of thinking about. I don't like the way this feels. That I kind of changed my style and adapted along the way, but I was very, still very successful. So, if you, if you, if you're successful by hook or by crook, they keep promoting you, and you keep <laughs> getting more and more responsibility. And yet, somewhere somewhere you have to hope that that person in leadership has self-awareness to figure out that they need to evolve themselves. And mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a work in progress to this day.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think we all are. I mean, that's that's the thing. We are learning all the time. But it's interesting how they, they look for somebody who does really well, and then they go, oh, we need lead a leader, leader, and they look around. Oh, sure, do Great. Congratulations. <laughs> Good luck. See you in 12 months' time, your performance review. And for some of them, they struggle. They don't, they've had not had that development in the in the past to bring them up through the ranks or even just give them some development full stop, which is always sometimes a little bit hard. Now, I see um, also I, I, that you're uh, with your husband a little bit interested in boating and fishing.
1: I do. I think everybody's got to be balanced, right? You can't be all work and no play. So mm. I do like to boat. I like to do deep sea fishing. I'm not afraid to touch the muck, as they would say, and bait my own hooks and the rest of it. Uh so I do everything from like small fishing for fluke flounder to let's to go out shark fishing and you name it I'll do a little bit of everything.
0: Well you need to come to New Zealand It's just the land weird well, there's so much fishing around here you need to come one day. And I check do it out.
1: I can't wait to come to New Zealand. Uh I mm. look forward to it. We 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 need to do some clinical trials there so I can go uh go with the company too and 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 help. I know you had your borders locked locked for a long point in time but now things are opening up and I can Travel again,
0: yeah. You and, and and my wife would have a great conversation because she's been doing master studies around neuroscience and and with leaders as well and how mm-hmm. all that works too. So you two would have a good chat about that. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the question I've got here for you is: uh, now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite mm-hmm. leader and why?
1: You know, when you think about it, I I look. Uh, you know, I, I thought about the question and it's it's interesting because in current leaders, I like aspects of people not you know, and I realize they are people with their pluses and their minuses. When I look overall at history, the one person that always comes to mind that I'm always amazed at is actually Nelson Mandela. And it's, it's, it's not always, I mean, he's just got grit and perseverance, but he's got this grace about him that I would aspire to have that level of grace in myself, which as a New Yorker, I don't, I can be a bit of a, you know, Funny around the edges, let's just say, and yet he always was poised and had grace and you looked up to him that he was just almost seemed larger than life and it's very fun to watch that you can you you can only aspire to be that graceful as a leader but yet have the impact that he had
0: mm. oh that's that's brilliant yeah, wonderful leader now if you and Nelson Mandela were sitting on a park bench having a coffee, would there be one question you would like to ask him?
1: I would just like to know how he holds it together when he has to listen to people that he doesn't agree with and how he he doesn't jump in on top of it and how he can maintain that grace. I mean, that stress under pressure and having the patience to do what he did over the time period that he did it. I I don't know if I would have that same patience that he had and the ability to be so powerfully quiet at times.
0: Mm. That's that's powerful, what you have just said there, actually, powerfully quiet, and I think that there is leaders who thump the desk, do all sorts of things, but being powerfully quiet is a beautiful thing, and it's a strength that is not easy for a lot of people. I mean, I thought he would have been really bitter uh, when he came come out of prison, and, and of course, for everything that had happened, but as you're saying, no, he was totally the opposite. It's, it was that, uh, that grace, and as he led, and quiet, but just pushed and kept on going, and the pers- perseverance is really, really important. Mm. I,
1: th- I think that's also led to things I've seen recently about positivity, like leaders. Currently leaders are successful when they can look at the positive in things. And it made me reflect a little bit on myself because I'm a glass half full trying to find, I forget the pain and I forget the pain points because everybody always dwells on the negative, And I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't even, I, I seem to put it out of my mind, maybe because I just don't want to be in an unhappy place. So it could be, Personal protection, a little bit for my own mood, but I like to try to say, okay, so that's what it was. What am I going to do? And I just want to move forward. Um, and then I forget it. So everybody's like, write a book. I'm like, about what?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I don't want to yes. dwell on negative stuff.
0: No, no. So when are you going to write the book?
1: I'm never going to write the book. Oh, okay. I'm not going to write it. I would need. I would need a. a I would need somebody following me around with Instagram and a a recorder and catch half the stuff because I will remember the good stuff and the fun. I'm going to remember the moments we laughed and things that we we enjoyed doing and the tough, hard lessons. I think it's like I look at everything as kind of continuous quality improvement and skunk works. It's like you just don't get mad at the mistakes you make. Just just figure out your next step and move forward and just keep moving forward and don't dwell on the past. I give you Uh, one day to beat yourself up, then move on.
0: Yeah, that's good. Very good. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. And I think, that however, we should look at the past possibly quickly, part of that mm-hmm. one day, and reflect on what actually happened and learn from it. And if we learn from it, cool. Then we've we're, it's, it's been really important that we've gone through that journey. But when we're in the middle of it, sometimes it's hard to do that, right? Um, we're just yeah. trying to get through the day and trying to cope for sure. <laughs> now, the title of the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that title or that statement, Patricia, what does that mean to you?
1: For me now, it definitely, I I think about the current environment and working remotely all across the globe and people being in their homes and their personal lives intertwined into what they do because you are in your home so much. And you can't, like I used to lead when I was at Nova Nordisk, I was in a building with an office and people would visit you all the time. And now you have to impact and influence people that you're doing it through these this this type of forum and you're on conference calls. But yet, you have to m- maintain still personal bonds with people. And how hard is that? And the demands of what people want. Talent nowadays is not going to compromise on wanting some kind of a balance that works for them. And I can't define what that is for them. When I look at it, you have to think differently. I spend my whole day on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Google Meets or something like that now. It's it's all there. And people used to say, well, I want Work-life balance, and we have to maintain certain hours. And I don't want this spilling into my personal life. I don't see any way to get away from it. But I'm also at the point where I embrace the fact that you're going to know things about me that maybe you didn't get to see previously, mm. uh, and and I'm open to knowing more about you. You know, in that process too. So mm. it's it's a different way to work. Candidates are requiring different things from their employer, and it's got to be a respectful place.
0: Mm. We're going to talk about what candidates and employees are looking for in a minute as well. Um, when we talk about or we'll ask that question, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's interesting how it is and sitting down or even if you're at a standing desk maybe, but also just being online all the time, it almost feels like you're a TV presenter at times and just sort of, you know, in there and make up, come in and sort me out a bit. But um, it, it is what it is and we're just having to be, be doing that all the time. When you went into the pandemic side of things and lockdowns, what's, what was it like for you and the team to go through that whole period of transitioning from working in the office or out in the field to working at home?
1: I think, well, one, I have watched many leaders who were never comfortable with people working from home. And, you know, there's the mm. old school. So I've worked in, in outside sales for a long period of time. So I got comfortable with working remotely, right? Because when you have sales forces, like in pharma, you have sales forces all across a, a country. They're, they're, they're not going to an office every day. So I was more comfortable with it. But leadership, my peers would also be like, oh, they're not in the office. They're not working if they're not in the office. And then yet the pandemic hit. So I think I was fortunate that I had already been through that type of a working environment in my younger years as a leader. But I watched people change and get more comfortable with working from home and realize you're getting way more productivity out of people there. You're getting more hours out of them. And then we have to be careful to not take advantage of that because I think during the pandemic some mm. companies did take advantage of it but these same people who some of them I worked for them at times you know and I would want that that friday to work from home so I wouldn't have to have the 2 hour commute so I could actually enjoy a little bit more of my friday night with my family and not be exhausted now those people will never go back to a full week in an office never and I I smile because I'm like ah it took a pandemic to, uh, to evolve some of us. But at least now, maybe we can have a richer balance and things and realize there's not one way to get there. And, yeah. and that it can be different things for different people. And maybe some people still need to be in an office because that's what works for them and how they feel engaged. But it's a, it's a different world. And I, I actually am really happy that there's much more balance to not being structured to one building and that that mm. one building defines your success. And, and now you got to find meaning in a few other things. So it, it brings other issues, let's say.
0: Yeah, it's actually quite interesting what you just said too at the end there about the, your define your success, because I think a lot of people, what I've seen in their probably late 40s to mid to late 50s, are coming out of organizations, whether it's through a retrenchment, redundancy, mm-hmm. or they wanted to go and do something else in life, that their whole identity has been around that title, around that building that they've been working in. And for me, like I remember that I probably spent 20-something years in one building in New Zealand working for an organization, and it was hard to leave that building to go and do something else. And yeah, it's really quite interesting. Now, Patricia, what about, so we talked about them transitioning to home, and, and I, I agree with you. I think it's so funny to see these people who are very anti people working from home and so forth, then to be now work, have everyone working there. What about coming back into the office? What is that transition being like? Is, is organization find it easy? Is it hard? What, what what have you seen?
1: I think you have to redefine what that is. So like even for us, we we are during the summer, we were doing a few days a week in an office and we kept the time periods flexible, meaning that I didn't tell everybody they had to be in by nine or five. I gave a lot of flexibility when they came and went. It was just the days that, okay, no matter what, we are going to meet for lunch and mm-hmm. connect and whiteboard on something or just ideate over how we want to look at strategic planning and other things. I think there's still great benefit to connecting, personal connection. You, you can't, you know, you, you have to find a way to create it, even if it's just, if, if you're not going to have an office, maybe it's getting together at a restaurant or, you know, and having meetings where you're connecting lives that you can just have banter, a little bit of banter that's not always predetermined by the agenda of, of a meeting. And finding those ways to to create those connections, I still think there's high value in personal meetings. And I find different ways to do that. I will meet people for dinner. I will meet them with their family and their spouses. And it doesn't always have to be all just pure employees. You enter the, the older I get or the further up I get on the ladder, I guess I've intertwined. You can't really separate me from my family. They're all in it, and it's it's combined. I was interviewing somebody for an admin position, and I said, "Look, you can if you want to work seven to three. I'm okay with you working to seven seven to three. I just, you know, if you need to head off to get your kid from school at a certain time, then then you do that. Just be very transparent about it. Where maybe back earlier in my career, I was not transparent about that. I would come up with every reason not to tell somebody because you judged. For it, especially when my my son was little, you had to pretend like you didn't even have a kid. You know, God forbid they should think that that interfered with your performance, that you had responsibilities. And yet, I would so resent when they would when they would not consider that part of my life because I know I can't. I have to leave by five o'clock. I have to pick him up. He's in daycare. Nobody else is going to do it. And then you'd have bosses be like, "No, you have to stay. We have this." you know, this new cer- certain emergency would come up that has to be handled that night. Well, your lack of planning is not my emergency, you know, and it's just being open and different and letting people have significant flexibility, but still occasionally coming to an office or somewhere, even if it's a rent-a-space to me and, yep. and collect and connect as a cohesive team. Um, I think building collaborative teams, nothing works better than working together on a project. And that means sometimes you, it's good to get together live.
0: And I think leaders forget the fact that there are families involved all the time. The family's actually giving up mum and dad to go and do things and work at the, at the company. Don't get me wrong, they get paid and the whole family get to live and mortgages and all that. So it's just that community side of things as well. But we do have to remember the human element to it and that there are families behind a successful leader in an organisation. Yeah, it's so, so it's actually the pandemic has really, really pushed that to happen more.
1: Well, they pop up now in all the videos, right? You'll see the kids walking past. Yeah. I mean, I even at my level, I don't have a dedicated office 100%. I have a corner of a room that's also multi a multitask room. So, you know, I laugh. My son has been well-trained to know when I'm in a conference call, you know, when the door's shut, I'm in a conference call. Don't don't just pop in and make a ton of noise without, without it. But does he pop in from time to time? Of course he does. Mm. You can't stop it now he's away at college, so he's not popping in at the moment but um, people do pop in, or the u p s man is ringing my my doorbell for his signature, and I gotta run down. I mean, I actually find all that kind of funny now you gotta you just gotta enjoy the the craziness that can happen, or a podcast comes and the and the landscaper decides to cut my grass, and it's gonna be noisy for the next twenty minutes,
0: yep. Yep, I've had that before, and the guest is apologizing. I'm like, relax, it's all good, it's no problem at all. Um, And then the other one is, do you remember several years ago, probably not too long ago, there was that guy on the BBC being interviewed, or CNN maybe, and then the kids would come in the background and he was trying to push them away, and then the the babysitter comes flying into the room and she's trying to grab them. That's just gone out the window with the pandemic. People didn't didn't care. It was just, it was different.
1: But don't you think it's lightened us up a bit that we kind of now will just say, like, look who's here in my background, and then – You embrace it a little bit more and people realize there's more to you. And I think being human is critical for any leader to show their human side and for people to understand you've got the same life challenges that anybody else has.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Now, life is getting faster, whether it's business, data, technology, social, the whole lot. It's just getting faster and faster all the time. What makes a leader successful in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? What's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I I do think you have to embrace change and not be afraid of it. Too many people want to do things the way they did it in the past, or they're afraid of new technologies. I think you've got to challenge yourself to always be learning. I think agility as a learner. I mean, look, I didn't know what, I I know what tech is, but I am, I was no techie. I was not a programmer. That's not my area. Do I know what Kubernetes are now and all kinds of other stuff about stacking data? Yeah, actually I do. Did I have to Google it and watch the YouTube video a few times on it? Yeah, I watched the same one a few times because then it would create another word I never heard of and I'd have to go back and look that up. And then the more you get into it, you understand more and more. Now, am I ever going to be a programmer? No. But do I think that technology is critical for optimizing the way we work and filling in some of the gaps currently that we face with workforces and lack of skilled people in certain areas. I think technology can play a tremendous role. Um, and, and we all have to embrace things. I mean, look, you've got grandmas using Facebook in ways they didn't before and, and others. And then there's some people who will never touch it. Mm-hmm. And I think as leaders, we have to be willing to always touch things, even if we don't know what we're, what we're doing. And, to, and then laugh at, you know, let younger people teach you, like, make sure that you're embracing all generations because there's a lot to learn, no matter where somebody is in their career.
0: Yeah, we we used to in HP days. We used to have a VP SVP being uh, mentoring the graduates, but mm-hmm. then we would actually get them to do reverse mentoring. So it'd be the graduate mentoring the VP or SVP on the new technology, the new apps, the new this, just to help them through that. I thought it was it was a great way to do it. But I also love what you just said there about embracing change and don't be afraid of it. And you're always learning because I think one thing I keep asking leaders. What are you doing today to ensure that you're staying on the cutting edge, that you're not going to become irrelevant, that you're going to stay in touch with what's going on? What are you doing? Oh, I'm just too busy or I've, I'm too tired and this and that. And I'm like, you need to keep doing this stuff because that's what's going to keep you on the cutting edge. Not to be, as you said, the expert, not to be the specialist, but having that awareness, that knowledge. And that's actually very, very key in helping people be
1: successful going forward. But that means to be humble too, because you're going to be... Yeah. To learn, you have to be willing to be ignorant, which means you're you're gonna you have the potential to look stupid. So you you can't be afraid of it. You have to kind of find the humor in it. And it again, it just adds that that other facet to being a person that you just can't know everything. Because really, who likes perfect? Nobody wants a perfect they're no fun to be around. We've all met the person who tries to be so perfect and you're like, oh, I just you're just not fun at a party. Where you need the person who's got a little bit more of that, uh, you know, willing to make fun of yourself a little bit in the process and not try to project this perfect image. I I do not claim to be a great leader. All I claim to be is a person who's willing to keep trying to get better and better. That's all yes. I ever claimed. Sometimes yeah. I'm better than others and sometimes yeah. I'm not. No,
0: and that's, that's all good. Now, you and I have been talking about leaders. Now, we're going to change lenses or gears here and talk about employees from their perspective. And you sort of touched on it a little bit earlier on. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed?
1: Well, I I think that one they they expect us to listen. They expect us to give options. They uh, meaning like f- whether it be just options on how they do their work. They expect empowerment. They are gonna. It's like your kids, right? It reminds me of the way kids have have changed over time. You can't just say, "Hey, do this," and and they're gonna follow it. They're going to ask a million questions, and everybody wants to know the why yep. um, why you're doing it. I think that they still want to believe in a cause and they want to be driven by passion in what they do and and you've got to find the right motivational fit to the cause for your organization so I think we have to we have to look at it that there's not bad people there's just people who sometimes are just not the right fit for an organization and and you know that that could be an issue and you want them to find the right fit and And realize it's not, it's not you sometimes, but at the same point, make sure you're creating something that they can be passionate about and help them find where they fit into making a difference and that they can see, measure and feel the difference that they're making. Um, And usually it's also part of a collaborative team, but they, I do think it's like kids, they want to know why and you have to give them the time and explain the why on everything and then let them actually do it. Don't, don't take credit for other people's work. And as a mm. leader, never take credit for somebody else's work. Let them be in the spotlight. I mean, our job is just to get the right person in the right spot and then step away, get out of the way. And, and I still see too many people take credit for other people's work. Yep. Um, and that always drives me crazy. But as much as you can put other people in the spotlight, and if you don't, they will leave. They nobody, you know, people can smell, can smell when they're being played at every level, just like we, you know, let's say, like, oh, I know they aren't being played. Um, They're people, they know it too. So if they feel used and abused and played, they're not going to stay. So don't do it. Mm. Be be transparent and be authentic. And I think, you know, the, the standards have changed and people are willing to change jobs more frequently if it's not a good fit for them. And And we have to remember that and we have to make sure that we're doing our best to keep them aware, informed, but also listening to them and then giving the information we can give in a timely manner.
0: Yeah, excellent. Well done. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's that's fantastic what you've just shared. Some really really good uh, insights. Now I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out here and think about the future. Here, where do you see leadership being in five years from now?
1: Oh gosh, it's just going to continue to evolve. I mean, you know, if you think about the time capsule that technology's played, everything is recorded, so you can't even pretend some of your mistakes weren't there, right? Because you're going to catch them yeah. on on video. Um, but I think I think technology is going to continue to play a big role in in what you do and how you impact the the global, you know, the the smallness of the globe is continuing to 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 grow. I mean, we're just we, we've got countries growing all over the world. When I look at countries like India, how much that's grown in my lifetime, it's a sophisticated country. It really is a very sophisticated country. And and yet. Very culturally different in some places, but that that need to realize that we're not dealing with one country's borders and, and others. It's, and leaders are going to come in with very different cultural backgrounds sometimes too. And being open to learning others, I think agility still maintains it's a high need. And if anything, it's going to accelerate more and more that you have to be agile and open um, and aware of cultural differences too. But Maybe they some of them might get smaller because we're getting to know each other so much better across yep. the globe. But yet we still have to respect that we don't. If you didn't grow up in it, you really don't ever know it a hundred percent. But if I had a crystal ball, the world is still going to get smaller. Uh, we're still going to have lots of, of nothing stays within your borders. So you, you're not a success by being a success in the U.S. or the U.K. or Germany. You're going to be a success because you're a global success, yep. and. That will never. That that's just going to continue to accelerate. So, I think you're just going to have very diverse teams, of very diverse people from all over the globe. And if you're a smart company, you should want that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're
1: not, yeah. not going to see the one line. You know where diversity is that that the management team comes from is is got one person who's who's a female on it. It's going to be do you have people from all over the world on your team and you know from all different genders, all different types, and all different places.
0: Yeah. And it's not just a tick in a box, right? It is actually something that you're living throughout the whole organization, through all layers of the organization, and not just in that, that top leadership group, as you just talked about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and it's got to trickle down and it's got yes. to be an initiative. It's good business sense. Hmm. It's just good business sense. And we're starting to see diversity more and more, but it's got to accelerate and, it, and at all levels from all aspects.
0: Yeah, it's cool. And I hope Patric- that that's what happens. Well, I hope so, and um, you, you do see it happening. Um, but I just—I think there'll be a lot more organisations doing. It'll be great, great to see. Patricia, thank you for joining me on today's show. Uh, if the listeners wanted to get hold of you, where can they get hold of you?
1: I think LinkedIn is the best thing. Just, just uh, send me a message on on LinkedIn. Connect with me. Don't just follow. You can truly connect with me. I'm a typical person of my generation. I get addicted to my phone, and if you tick a box on it, I will often respond. Uh, th- I will say, though, if you try to pitch me a sale right from the beginning, I might not yeah. answer that one because everybody tries to sell you on LinkedIn. But if you're truly interested in just connecting to connect and and be part of a greater community, I'm very open to that. Um, You know, and just like everybody, I don't like the used car salesman with the, you know, the cape on hiding that they're just trying to sell me something. But I love to connect to people and stay connected to people. And if I'm at a conference, say Hello. Yeah, I'm going, to be a a D- I'm going to be at DTX East coming up shortly too. And I'm at most of those digital therapeutic conferences. I'm at them globally all throughout the year. So if you're going to be at one, let me know.
0: There you go, listeners. If you're wanting to reach out to Patricia, go ahead and do that. If you're at a conference, say hi. And uh, Patricia, it's wonderful to have you on the show. So thank you very much once again. It's, it's been a real pleasure.
1: No, thank you. It's been a joy. It's been a lot of fun.
0: There you go, listeners. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us on this wonderful episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. And until next time, bye for now.